0: What would you like the power to do?
1: Mobile banking
2: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. The best Friday nights are the ones that demand you rush home and watch the replay to decipher Da Vinci Code style what transpired. And the best crunch times are when you pick the best minds to figure out what in the Sam hell went on and what does it mean. Crunch time is for the Berwick Motor Group, Beric GWM, for the all new Tank Aura and Cannon. XSRCC, part of the Berwick Motor Group, and Azito powering DIYers all day, every day at Bunnings. Stuart Waitley with you. I spent last night with Dermot Burton. Here we are again.
3: Derm, are you any the wiser now? Uh, I feel like I've seen a teenager which refuses to grow up in Brisbane. They They've been there long enough. They should be in adulthood now and know how to close that game out, but they refuse to... Grow up in those moments. They shot themselves in the foot. I mean, Melbourne did well. They super super well came back. And and a good team is going to have to hold that out. But a team that's ready and grown up and ready to go, we can win this premiership. They hold that out. Yeah, with with fifteen minutes to go or twenty minutes to go, and you you're four goals up, and you are a team capable of winning the premiership on this very ground. You hold them up and you hold them out. It does make me wonder on a night like
2: last night, a true coach at heart, does he sit at home on the couch thinking, oh, God, I wish I was in control of that, or does he go, thank Christ I'm no longer part of that sort of business. <laughs> Leon Cameron, welcome back to Crunch Time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still getting over Thursday night. <laughs> but, um, I was at the game, and it was a, although a, a different uh, game altogether than last night, uh, the two-point difference between the Swans, and the Bulldogs was intriguing. The Swans tackled their way to a to a to a win on the back of young Papali, who uh, performed some great uh, traits. And the Bulldogs would be kicking themselves because they've they won clearance and they won contested ball, so they're disappointing. But then the roll into the Friday night, it was just absolutely intriguing. I, and I understand what you're saying, Derm, on that. Brisbane will be kicking themselves because if if They wanted to make a big statement last night. Halfway through that last quarter, they would have found a way to seven or eight minutes to control the game when they lost it.
3: It was almost like they tried to overly control the game. Hang on, I don't want you to shoot your best stuff yet. Hold on one tick. (laughs) Sam
2: Edmund rounds out our quartet. Hello, Sam.
1: Jared Derm, Leon, good to be with you all. Uh, Chris Fagan said something last night, actually, that really resonated with me. He said, when good teams play good teams you've often got to win the game a few times. And how true was that last night when Melksham turned clutch again, shades of last year, Trent Rivers' run, Cozzy bobbed up, Viney kept coming with all his aggression. The Lions just needed to win it one more time, and they couldn't do it. All right, so I thought
2: book club style, right? (laughs) We've all absorbed the source material. (laughs) Yeah, I reckon everyone will have their own theory on the what and the why. So in, say, vaguely 60 seconds, and Leon, you go first. What's your theory around what transpired last night?
0: Uh, uh, I got a D at school. So I don't know if I read too many books. <laughs> um, what transpired last night? Outstanding start for Melbourne. Um, all indicators over the last couple of weeks, they've been winning um, a lot of indicators, but they, they needed to speed up their ball. They did the first 15 minutes. Brisbane like the side that probably Dermy was explaining about, he's saying, this is a very, very serious side. They, they just, they compose themselves. And then in the second and third quarter, we seen a side going, we were discussing, they're going to challenge Collingwood. They'll challenge Port Adelaide. Their ball movement was outstanding. Their forward line's so dangerous. Danaher's up and running. I just love the way they move the footy. And then basically within a blink of an eye, probably 10 minutes into the last quarter, Melbourne's gone, this is our season, we need to make a statement here. And they jumped straight back into the first 10 minutes of the first quarter and said, let's just move the ball fast, let's play brave, let's do this. And Pickett, who's been down a little bit, inspired them to uh, to a victory on the back of Jake Meltram's goal after the siren, oh, well, sorry, 30 seconds to go, it was just... Unbelievable, heart-stopping footy, and well done to Melbourne, but well done to Brisbane. But unfortunately, it, uh, you win and you lose in this game, and Brisbane wake up with uh, some psychological challenges going forward at the MCG. Well,
2: that's a solid A minus thesis to get us underway, <laughs> Dermot. Give, <laughs> me your, give me your, give me your sixty seconds as quick as I can.
3: Um, I, I have said it before. I see football becoming more and more like that velodrome bicycle uh, contest, I think they call it the Kieran, where they are meant to do four laps and they go around as slow as they can, thwarting each other for three laps and then lo and behold, with one and a bit lap to go, somebody goes, I'll bugger this, I'm off. And nearly always, the second bloke chases him down and wins. Melbourne went stagnant in those second and third quarters. And Brisbane, on behalf of Brisbane, because they were so good. But then it was when, as Leland has pointed out, when their season's on the line, they've said, oh, bugger, we have to win. We have to move the footy. We have to do all things that aren't conservative. And they took risks and they run and they overlap and they belt through the lines and they score. It makes me wonder, why doesn't that bicycle rider just go hell for leather right from the first <laughs> lap? If you can do that, if you can do that, I know we've got to conserve energy and the likes and, and we take into account the interchange, but their best footy is when they realise, hell, we have to win it, we're behind. It's almost like you won't be prompted into anything daring unless you have to be daring to. To come from behind. Yeah, the
2: certainty of defeat is invigorating.
3: Absolutely. A- and Melbourne did that and and lo and behold, Brisbane decided to push one behind the ball mm. and every time they win the ball deep in defence, they kick it out to an outnumber the other way and it comes back in with interest. Yep. It's an intriguing set of how do we manage these circumstances.
1: Sam Edmund, present your thesis. Well, just coming back to the Lions needing to win it one more time, there were two opportunities in the closing stage. So one of them, they lead by 24 with nine minutes left when Ryan Lester doesn't make the distance from 40 metres out directly in front. A horrible mongrel punt that's marked at the top of the goal square history says, would have put the game beyond doubt. But then they put, as Derm says, Jack Gunston behind the ball. So they lead by 11 points, two kicks, with three minutes to play with Gunston back. Now, given the fact they just can't get their hands on the ball down the stretch, Jerry, they just could not get the ball, maintain possession, you would have loved to have seen them use Jack Gunston as the spare, switch the ball around, maintain some possession, just take some semblance of heat out of it. There was no room for error for Melbourne. They had to use every minute they had, just needed to tread water for a a minute with Jack Gunston as the spare, and I reckon that was there one more time.
3: Can I just add one last thing? When you have the ball like that, and it goes back to the, the brilliant teams of Hawthorne in uh, 13, 14, 15, when you lock away every target, you need one player who can endlessly run to break that lock away fix on, the, on all the target players, and that used to be Isaac Smith. I went away from last night thinking, how could they have had somebody massage the opposition's zone to get into space to receive that first little kick, say, from the Gunston intercept mark? And I was thinking, could that have been Andrew Gaff? <laughs> <laughs> just in a weird choice. But they don't have that player who endlessly runs. They probably have a couple of youngsters who could do it, but they're not wise enough, mature enough yet to actually break open that syndrome. But they just couldn't retain possession after winning possession deep in defence. Have, have
1: you got a, a, an A-plus in you there,
3: you No, know?
2: no, but I'm going to go der- a bit of derivative thinking. Brisbane thought they had the game won. So when Hipwood so kicks that goal, like everybody. Yep put kicks a goal in the third quarter. Quick scan around. There are blokes with their arms up in victory everywhere I looked. Danaher kicks the first goal of the last quarter. That makes it 26 mm-hmm. points. And then they just go into protection mode. They stopped playing the game. They gave the ball to Melbourne for the rest of the game. The only inside 50s they had are rebound mm-hmm. 50s. And then there's no structure ahead of the ball to be either able to compete or to trap it for territory. And if you give a team a ball for long enough and this is 25 minutes of footy. They'll eventually figure it out and it took Melbourne ages to figure it out. It doesn't happen until time on. But you can't def- you can't passively defend for as long as Brisbane did. Their body language did it, their actions on the field did it and the coaching moves did it as well. We're just we're just going to run this out. We've got this game won. Just protect it to the end and we leave with our premiership credentials stamped. And they got they stopped playing the game. And once you stop, you can't restart. It reminds me of Black Caviar at Royal Ascot. Luke Nolan eased up. She stopped on the spot. And you can't restart once the engine stops. Mm. And you end up lunging and lurching. And you either do or you don't. And they didn't. So I think they stopped playing the game through the certainty of victory. And then the certainty of defeat for Melbourne is is freedom. But also you can't give a good team the ball for that long that many they times. gave them the ball for 25 minutes to work their way through it and to fashion chances and they didn't fashion guilt edge chances and the other bit was is when the game was lost 28 points down in the third quarter max gorn said no christian petrarca said no and jack viney said no and eventually the rest of them came with them mm. that's
3: my thesis I oh, like it, has got an A in front of it.
1: You know, very similar game as it turns out, except the light stayed on. If you rewind back to round two, yeah, they it, kicked six goals to one in the last quarter. I don't know if you mentioned this last night, though. Yeah, he did. So they probably would have had the belief That's right, that they could have run them down again. So, Leon, what if you're Chris Fagan, so he spoke about
2: trying to keep it in perspective, and the biggest word was trying, because they were feeling that desperately.
0: How, what do you do with that? Look, this is a review that's going to. It'll be really interesting how Fags approaches it because they did so so much right, as you just said, and all the summaries we made, uh, Sammy, Jared, and um, they're all exactly right. They've all there's all the piece of everything that that happened in last night's game, and I think I think they're probably going to have to hone in on you know the second and third and how they stalled Melbourne, you know, late in the first, just to get back on on track. But then they're, they're going to have to spend 15 or 20 minutes just on, okay, well, this is the moves that we needed, that we didn't make right. You know, they weren't right. We, uh, we shut up shop. We've kicked the goal. who's kicked the goal. There's, you know, 16, 17 minutes to go. Let's have a look what we could do. And there'll be examples everywhere. They'll be going, like, we should have used the ball here. Maybe we shouldn't have put the person behind the footy. You've you got to be bold. You should have played on from here. We've still got to score. Mm. It's funny. We went through this in the 19 prelim against Collingwood. Um, Jeremy Cameron kicked the first goal. We went 28 points up um, in the first five minutes. Uh, We were a little bit lucky because it was raining and wet. Collingwood had, they had to just go all out and they went all out. And so constantly in the box, every two or three minutes we're going, okay, we need to find a goal, we need to find a goal. But as Collingwood just kept on getting closer and closer and closer, we kept on putting a number back. And we lucky enough held on because the scoring probably wasn't as fluent because it was slippery and wet. Um, that was the famous mummy book in the goal square to Pendlebury. <laughs> <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think mummy's doing the circuit at the moment. talking about <laughs> it Anyway, and so, yeah. Yeah. um, we got a little bit lucky cause it was wet. If it had been dry, then Collingwood probably would have got us in that prelim. Um, but it's, it's an intriguing discussion because you want to find that goal. You just need one. And you talked about the Leicester one, Sammy, before he said, you know, he, he, he mongled, punted it mm. and it didn't make the distance. And then they probably had a few more opportunities. Um, but it's the review is going to be at unbelievable because so much good was br- from Brisbane last night they were so good for a long period of time so they need to review it the good parts and then they need to really hone in on that last 15 minutes Say so if we are going to come back here and play Melbourne or Port or whoever Collingwood then we need to get this right and as Dermy said at the start we need to grow up and make sure we nail these situations when it comes across uh, in another game.
3: Leon, it, it, that game makes me think of one thing later, the the, the GWS um, Collingwood game, that preliminary final. Phil Davis, wonderful player, but, but if you're handing out doctorates to the very few who understand the game so well, Phil's got one, and he's able to organise things around him. Is there a person in that back line? Is it Harris Andrews? Or is he a little bit quieter out there than we might think? Do they have a general in the back line?
0: I think Harris Andrews has had such an outstanding year in terms of just playing pure football. In terms of his leadership, his co-captain, I I, I can't dive into that enough because I don't know him personally. But you can see him directing traffic. But I think the reason why we... Lord. So many of the best leaders in the past, however many years, like Luke Hodge would have taken control. We, mm. we, would we all agree? Yep. Hodge, would have taken control in that situation and found a way to get up. That's it. But we lord him as one of the best leaders. Selwood would have taken control. Michael Voss would have taken control. Whatever way that looks like, they would have taken control. And that's why we sit Pendlebury, back and go, uh, yep. Pendlebury, exactly. And you go, oh, that's why they've uh, you know won two or three premierships. That's why they've been so good for 15 or 17 years. Because it's on top of that um, playing ability, there's this unbelievable ability to lead in the tightest moments. And that's why we lord these champions. And so I don't know about Harris, but he might have that. But, um, mm. you know, unfortunately that didn't happen last night.
2: On the other side of the coin, we had both a leader and a champion in Max Gorn. Mm. Who Challenged. He, yeah. yeah. And, and eclipsed at times when McInerney ran him down and and the two of them are heading to an open goal and yeah. McInerney's got the break on him. But the full 15 rounds, the great fighters will get you in rounds 13, 14, 14 and yeah. 15 if you don't stop them on the way. And that was the whole point with the Max Gorn discussion is the longer it goes – the more he imposes himself, McInerney's got nothing left at the end. He's on jelly legs, and Gorn is just profoundly influential at every contest. Every down the line, there he is. I, we got, I, we got our answer
3: last night. Yeah, is, I know.
2: is let Max. Be Max for 15 rounds because in the end he just gets it's you. It's a grind,
3: isn't it? Yep. A, 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 a player like Max Gorn, it, it must be a grind to play against him. Not only are you having to reach to heights which very few in the league will challenge you to do so, he's actually got a really good tank and he runs so well over the field. I thought McInerney and Max, I think I even asked at one stage during the game, how are we seeing that to mm. Jared Healy? Because I thought it was a break even. At approaching halftime, I thought they were break, breaking even with each mm. other. They both had their moments. And then even in the third quarter, I thought, break even still. But the last 40 minutes, he imposed himself on that game. And, yeah, there's, you cannot do without certain players. But if Max and, and Christian Petrarca don't play, uh, yeah, they don't win. They didn't win that game last night. So, I mean, though he was huge.
0: Yeah, look, it's 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 an intriguing one. And so uh, I know I'm jumping around a little bit here, guys, but so October, November last year, if you were in Melbourne's position and you've just seen Max Gorn do what he's done, would you have, and you're sitting as the general manager at Melbourne Footy Club and the coach, would you have taken Grundy in a trade?
3: Uh we talked about this yeah. a little bit i would have so and in real time i wouldn't have yeah uh, at the moment at that time in that moment i well, would have why because it's never been done before and i'd seen max so the last quarter when the ball gets bombed back out down the line to max Gorn and he just goes clunk yeah that's those types of hands if you bomb it down the line and that those hands are standing in the forward line The opposition go into their haywire. They just go berserk. How do we stop this? Let's swing them all around. If somebody takes contested marks, the most, we have so many valuable attributes and and readers, descriptors in league football. The hardest thing to deal with, I think, and it's, and they're rare as hen's teeth, is contested marks by a forward. It's, it, it, it turns backline coaches and coaches, Leon, you chime in on this, it, it into how do we stop this? Because everything can set up around that. Now, if you can get Max to play as a forward, well, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. But if you get the second best ruckman in the league to actually fill in for him in the middle, I thought it was worth a risk. I even though So on said, the
2: NFL, yep. when you've got two quarterbacks, you've got no quarterback.
3: Yeah, well... I did hear a description once where the, Jim McMahon came on in time on in the in the last quarter, and it was back in the early 80s, and he threw a miracle pass, and they said, that's why you pay your, your reserve quarterback $2 million a year. They, thought, you know, Hulk Hogan
2: and Andre the Giant might have had a tag team <laughs> match here and there, but they are to be opposing <laughs> figures. Now, that's all our crackpot theories, Leon. What about yours? You, you've been at the coal front.
0: Oh, look, I think uh, it all depends on the deal. And so, Sammy, you probably know a little bit more about it. When the deal happened, my understanding is this Collingwood uh, probably covered a fair bit of the wage uh, of the of what happened. And so if I'm sitting there as a senior coach and saying, I think you have to try it, um, I if I was in Melbourne's position, I would have absolutely jumped at it. Because if it's a deal that suits your footy club, I understand they're two big bulls and can they play together. But if you've got the second or third best ruckman come into your football club who's three or four years younger than max gorn who might only have two or three years to go i don't know how much and you actually get a good financial deal that doesn't cost you much i would absolutely so you got to look at the the, the the deal in totality not just what you see on the weekend and so you know I, I if i was in that position i definitely would have done it what about now what would you do now well, I think if you've got a, a ruckman sitting there, what happens if Max Long gets injured next week? Going into a finals campaign, you've got a $500,000 player sitting there ready to go. Now, that's why I look at that that depth chart. But equally, Grundy, we know, has to go back and play some footy as a forward. Uh, Melbourne have outlined that, that he's going to play the next two or three weeks as a forward and work on his forward craft. And look, I think it's a really good plan and it's a bold plan that they jumped in this move and I, I applaud them for doing this because they've they've gone down this path. It probably hasn't worked straight away, but we might see it work because right now I don't see a key Melbourne Ford jumping out and saying, hey, listen, pick me. So if he gets going and learns to be competent as a Ford, as well as a backup ruck and Max takes up his true position, which we seen last night, then in three or four weeks' time we might say it's a win.
1: It's amazing how it's transpired, isn't it? And it's not a small outlay to answer Leon's question. So Collingwood are contributing, but Brody Grundy's on a contract through until twenty twenty seven, close to a million dollars a season. So it is said by most people in and around this situation, Jared, that Collingwood's contributing somewhere around two fifty between two fifty and $300,000 a season. So we're still looking at around a seven hundred k outlay from Melbourne for a guy who, when he was traded Brody Gundy, he said it's time to dream a different dream. I'm not sure he ever imagined that that dream would be so different that he'd be thrown a complete role change and have to play a VFL practice match in round 18 of an AFL season. I think it's just almost unfathomable where they've found themselves with this move.
2: I see him at a third club next year. Trade him? Yep. Flip him. Oof. he'll be getting paid by Collingwood, he'll be getting paid by Melbourne, but he'll be playing first ruck somewhere. Jeez. He is Max Gorn, 92% ruck. Oh, I see I see a job at Port Adelaide. He is. Go, go and ruck to Butters, Rosie and Horn Francis. So we're, don't we're, sit in the forward line where you're not a forward.
1: So, Doom, we've seen big trades over the time, and this was one. i don't, not sure I can recall a high-profile trade like this, spending 12 months at his new club and then being on-traded again. In the next possible window. I can't recall... Not a
3: ruckman. Terry Wallace spent 12 months at Richmond as a player when he was arguably the best ball winner yeah. in the comp in the mid-80s, but that's I mean, but that's po- po- a different era, different...
1: Port were in the mix for him. We know uh, Leon's old mob GWS are in the mix for him at the mm. time. He didn't want to go into state though. He wanted to stay in Melbourne. But now, obviously, the hey, the, the world's so changed. Let
2: it run its course because Leon might be right. They might be together on the mm. premiership podium at the end yeah. of September. But yep. if that's not the case, Brody has an obligation to his own career to actually go. No, no, oh. no we're not. We're not doing this. Yeah. I'm going to go and play first. Ruck, uh at there'd be eight clubs in the queue for him.
1: Minimum. And if the money is a problem, and no player, I'm not sure, uh, would ever have done it to this extent, you, know, you can dissolve that contract if, if you're that desperate to, to get somewhere else at like a Port Adelaide. But anyway, all to play out. All to play out. And Melbourne, the, the significance
2: out of last night is if Brisbane had won, the top three was roped off. Is Melbourne were out of reach of the top three. Yeah. Brisbane were in the mix this is for it. a top two position. Now... Brisbane probably can't finish 1-2 unless Port Adelaide have multiple stumbles. Melbourne are right in that mix to climb, and they're going to run favourite in their last
1: six games. Yeah. So if Port and, and Collingwood both win this weekend, we're talking a three-game gap. You're not going to make that up now. And the last night was probably evidence that they just have to do everything they can to avoid the MCG until the last possible minute, Brisbane. So there's a massive difference between getting that top two for them, I think potentially more than any other club. Than it is finishing third. So it's a, it could be one of those losses they look back on at the end of the year. Jake Melksham kicked the winner.
2: I wonder how he slept last night. What sort of visions would you have running through your heads after a moment like that? We will talk to him on Crunch Time next.